Welcome to the Uncommon Church Podcast. Today, you'll hear a message from our pastor, Brad Carrington. We hope that it helps you to know God, grow strong in your faith, and do all that he has called you to do. Elimelech, his name had a very significant meaning. It meant, my God is my king. He was married to a girl named Naomi, and her name means pleasant or happy. Um, Now, the irony about Elimelech's name is that God was not his king. He was a faker. He was a, a hypocrite. When the tough got going, he got going to Moab. He was a just going to church Christmas and Easter kind of a guy. He said, my God was my king, but he didn't mean it. So there was a famine that came on the land because of the people's disobedience. And he took his family and his, his wife and his two sons, and they went to this pagan land called Moab. But God specifically told the people in Deuteronomy, have nothing to do with Moab. And Elimelech takes his family over there, his two boys, Malon and Kilion. Malon means sick, invalid, weak. Kilion means broken, destruction, failing. Interesting that they named their boys that. I don't know what names were available that they didn't choose, like plague or scurvy or COVID, but they could have named, like, like there was no positive names they could have come up with. Like there couldn't have been any hope, any joy, any mercy, any grace. Fathers, let me just say this. Sometimes we feel pressure to provide for our families financially. We feel pressured to do our very best for our kids. But how we lead our families matters for our wives and our children. Because while the, they were in Moab, the boys married two Moabite pagan girls. So they now have these two heathen pagans in their family, and they're about to make little pagan grandbabies in their family. They, the two girls that, were, that the boys married was Orpah, which means neck, and the implication is to be stiff-necked, and the other is Ruth, which means faithful, faithful friend. Unfortunately, while they were in Moab, as they thought the grass was greener on the other side, but it wasn't, and uh, Elimelech and his two boys died. So now Naomi has buried her husband, she's buried her two sons, she, there's three widows and they're just broken. And Naomi, her, she, she literally said, stop calling me Naomi, call me Mara, because I have become bitter in this land. Naomi makes plans to go back to Bethlehem, back to Judah. So on the way, she tries to send the two girls home. She said, listen, y'all, y'all pagans, you don't need to go back to God's country. Go back to your little pagan families, marry some pagan men, make some little pagan babies. And uh, Orpah was like, see ya, and she took off. And Ruth was like, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a faithful friend to you. I'm going to cleave to you. Your people are going to be my people. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to join the Jewish people. Your God, he's going to be my God. And, and she said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cleave to you. My question is this. When the tough is on, you're facing difficult things in your life. Are you going to cleave to the things of God or leave and go back to your Moab? And husbands, let me say this. When Naomi was coming back into Bethlehem, her friends noticed her. She had been gone, but they were like, hey, Naomi. She said, no, 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 no. Call me bitter. Call me Mara. My name means bitter now. Husbands, how we lead our family matters. Because even after he was gone, his wife was broken. And she was bitter on the inside. Now, the Bible doesn't say this, but I have to assume that she physically looked awful. There's no amount of grieving than to have to bury both your husband and your two sons. So the decisions that we make, where we live, what job we take, what church we go to, it matters, not just for one generation, but for the next generation. Because they thought going to Moab was gonna be better, but it ended up costing them everything. 
That's the thing about sin. If you choose to live in sin, it's always going to take you further than you planned on going and cost you more than you planned on paying. So be very careful how you live your life and how you lead your family. Let's go back to the story. We don't know who wrote the book of Ruth, but we know that Ruth has a very unique style. It's very poetic. It's, it's, it's like a romance novel. And um, I'll also say this. I said it last week. Jesus, even though it's a thousand years before Jesus, Jesus is going to be creeping in on the story in a few different places. So let's just pick it up at the very last verse in chapter one, and then we'll go into chapter two. Ruth chapter one and verse 22. Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by her daughter-in-law Ruth, this young Moabite woman. They arrived in Bethlehem in the late spring at the beginning of the barley harvest. Now listen carefully when I say this. One thing that does not exist in the kingdom of God is a coincidence. And even the fact that the way that this was written was super tongue-in-cheek, uh, tongue-in-cheek, that even as it happened, they arrived at the beginning of the barley harvest. Now turn over the page to chapter 2 and verse 1. There was a wealthy and influential man in Bethlehem named Boaz, who was a relative of Naomi's husband, Elimelech. Now we already know that in this story, in this book, names really matter. So we had to look at the, what Boaz means. Boaz means strength. Boaz means mighty one. We know that Boaz was a landowner, that he was wealthy, that he was powerful, he was influential. So even the term Boaz later is used as influential. Basically what the writer of Ruth is trying to say is, this isn't just Boaz, this is Boaz. Like he's a manly man. He's got like just the right amount of chest hair peeking out of the top of his chest. Not back hair, just a little bit in the front of the chest. He's saying that Boaz didn't drink decaf coffee. Like Boaz didn't wear skinny jeans. Boaz didn't wear sweater vests. You know what I'm saying? Boaz could eat all the carbs he wanted and still had rock hard abs. Boaz means strength. By the way, single men, this is what you're aiming for. This is your example. Not some limp-wristed sissy fellow with a man purse. This is Boaz, a mighty man. Picture the old, well, y'all are too young. Old people like me. Picture the Marlboro man. You know, died of cancer, young. But the point is, he was a manly man. Boaz. Verse two. One day Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Ruth said, Ruth said to her mother-in-law, hey, I'm gonna go out and harvest some fields to pick some stalks of grain left behind by anybody who would be kind enough to show, uh, to let me do it. Naomi said, get on with your bad self. This is a Jewish thing, not a Moabite thing. See, God set up a couple things to help take care of the poor. Number one, you ever notice like a wheat field or a corn field that on the very edges of the field, the crops get shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter, and they only really harvest the middle, and they just kind of let that outside stuff fall down? Well, in the ancient Jewish world, that's how people would take care of the poor, is they were allowed to harvest around the edges of the field. And the next thing would be this. The men would take the sickle and they would cut down the stalks and then they would lay the stalks down and then women harvesters that were on staff would follow behind and they would bind up the sheaths so that it would be easier to transport and then to be taken to be threshed out. And if a stalk fell to the ground when the women were binding them up, they were, they were not supposed to pick bend over it and pick it up and put it back. They were supposed to leave it for the poor. And then when poor people in the community would follow behind the harvesters, that, that was called gleaning. So Ruth, this brand new convert to the Jewish faith, is like, hey, I said that your God would be my God, so I know someone's going to show me favor. 
I, I know I'm a pagan girl from Moabite, uh, from Moab, but someone's gonna show me favor. She said it in verse two. Your words are powerful. Over your day, over your job, over this year, speak life, speak favor, speak blessing. She's like, listen, I know I'm a poor, basically homeless Moabite girl, but I said your God's gonna be my God, so God's gonna bless me. I'm gonna go out, I'm gonna pick a field, and God's gonna allow me to glean there. She had no right to glean there, especially being from Moab. So she just grabs a basket. She wanders out to the fields outside of Bethlehem. She, just, she doesn't know where she is. She doesn't know who owns what land. There's no like sign saying, hey, Ruth, harvest here. She just like walks up to the first field she can find and she says, hey, you mind if I glean here? What a coincidence. There is no coincidence in the kingdom of God because Psalm 37, 23 says, it is the Lord who directs the steps of the godly. He, he delights in every little detail of your life. God cares for you. God will lead you. God cares where you work. God cares what car you buy. God cares where you bank. God cares. I mean, I don't know that God cares if you with whole milk or 2% or you know, watered down skim, but the point is God cares for the decisions of your life. So we should learn to pray and be led by the Holy Spirit, that we don't just pray you know, for our food, and we don't just pray once every three weeks when we happen to make it to church late. The point is we just happen... We, we learn to be led by the Spirit all day, every day. I mean, don't be super spiritual. Like when the alarm goes off on a Tuesday, don't be like, Lord, shouldeth I goeth to work today? Yes, you have to go to school, you have to go to work. But maybe pray about which road to take in case there's an accident that shuts down the highway and you're stuck there for three hours. Just be led by the Spirit. He cares about every little detail of your life, verse three. So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters and as it happened... She found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. I love the sarcasm. Like, it just, she just picked a random field, but God had a plan and a destiny for her. Too many people miss God's favor in their life because they never move out in faith. They just stay at home, sit on their blessed assurance, waiting for God to do something. And God's like, dude, I'm waiting for you to grab your, bus your basket and get, to get moving. Like, what are you waiting for? I know that ships are safer in the harbor, but that's not what a ship was created for. Step out in faith, and then God can move you. Step out in faith, and then God can do things, and he can, he can promote you, he can bless you. Put yourself in a dream team, serve on a Sunday. Put yourself in a you group, and have a Bible study on a Tuesday night. It helps you to build relationship so that other people can speak blessing into your life. But just by skipping and not being engaged, it's hard for God to move something that's sitting still, verse four. While she was there, Boaz, he arrived from Bethlehem and he greeted the harvesters. He said to his staff, the Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, the harvesters replied. Can I remind you that they're at work, not church? They're in the fields? See, Boaz is a godly leader. He was not ashamed of his faith. He was public about his faith. He wasn't ashamed to be a man of God. By the way, ladies, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for a Boaz that's not afraid to be a Monday Christian, not just a Sunday Christian. Fellas, this is what girls are waiting for you to act like. You know what I'm saying? Lord, I need more Boazes in my church. I've got a lot of Ruths. Let me also say this, Ruth. Don't lower your bar. Just keep waiting for Boaz. Well, what I don't... What if, I've seen so many heartache and so much pain because women settle for a Kalon or a, 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 
they, they settled for sick and weak when they should be waiting for Boaz. That's not in my notes. Let's just move on. Verse five. <laughs> Boaz asked his foreman, hey, who's that woman over there? What's, who does she belong to? What, what's, what's her deal? See, Boaz noticed her. And the Lord is like, and also with you. <laughs> Here's the funny thing. The Lord, Boaz noticed her and he blessed her. But Ruth didn't know she was meeting her Boaz today. Ruth just stumbled out of bed in like in her, her dirty sweatpants with her old concert t-shirt from high school, hair in a messy bun, no makeup, didn't put her contacts in, got her big Coke bottle glasses on. And Boaz is like, who's that fine looking woman? I like what I see. See, sometimes we will disqualify ourselves because we think we have to get cleaned up to go see God. He likes the way you look just the way you are. Some of y'all still a little bit hungover from last night. He likes the way you look. He'll clean you up later. You don't have to get cleaned up to go see God. He thinks you look really good right now. That was for you. Yeah, it was just for you. Vicky's like, that was a good one to clap. Verse six, I agree, Vic. The foreman replied, whoa, 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 whoa. That's the young woman that came from Moab. That's Naomi's daughter-in-law. Like basically he's like, go get you a Jewish girl, not some pagan girl. The, the, the foreman says, she asked me if she could gather grain behind the harvesters. Now she's been hard at work. She only took a short break in the shelter when it was hot. Here's something, Ruth's. She proved her character. She's a hard worker. She's not lazy. She's not hitting that alarm clock. She's not just laying in bed scrolling. She's getting up. She's not bitter. She's getting up. She's serving. She's serving God. She's not staying at home like her bitter mother-in-law. Single people, these are traits to be looking for. People that get up out of bed. People that discipline themselves. People that work hard. People that, that show up early and stay late and have a great attitude. Hardworking, faithful to serve God. Hey, Boaz should have walked away from this girl. He should have been like, oh, 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 that's the Moabite widow? That is some damaged goods. I don't need anything to do with her pagan lifestyle. I don't need anything to do with her bitter mother-in-law. I don't need anything to do with her drama. But instead, Boaz walks over to Ruth as the same way that this morning Jesus is walking over to you. Even though you might feel destitute and you might not feel worth it, Jesus is walking up to you. And in verse 8, Boaz says, listen here, my daughter. See, he speaks sweetly to her. Jesus will speak sweetly to you. No, Jesus would shame me. No, that's not the way God talks to his kids. He's a loving father. He says, listen here, my daughter, why don't you stay right here with us? If you're going to gather grain, gather grain in my field. Don't go to any other fields. He's like, stay in my field. That's, that's a great pickup line, by the way, fellas. After church today, you go up to a girl and be like, hey, why don't you stay in my field? <laughs> my wife is in Colorado with our daughter Joy this morning, but I'm going to text her later. Hey, baby, why don't you stay in my field? <laughs> Verse 9. See which part of the field that they're harvesting and follow behind them. I've warned the young men, they must not treat you roughly. If you're thirsty, go help yourself to water that's been drawn from my well. Boaz being a good guy. This is a nice little first date they're having, this cute little moment, a little meet cute. He's like, girl, I'm gonna protect you. Jesus says, I'm gonna protect you. I know your heart was broken, but I'm gonna protect you. I know that the world stomped on your heart, but I'm gonna protect you. 
And then the funny thing is, he, he, he promotes Ruth. In verse 10, Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. She said, what have I done to deserve such kindness? I'm only a, a foreigner. This is a smart girl. She just like, This would be a good posture for Christians in worship instead of just sitting there with your arms crossed. Lord, thank you. Who am I that you would love me? A sinner that's been saved by grace. Who am I that the king of the universe would know my name and know my sin and yet call me and forgive me and wash me and cleanse me and adopt me into your family? See, Ruth, she knew what was up. She knew more than most American Christians today that are too prideful to lift their hearts and lift their hands and show up for church on time. Ruth's a smart girl. We can learn a lot from this pagan. She humbled herself before God. She humbled herself before God. She humbled herself before God. Now, let me give you a little, a little side note. Ruth asked why she found favor in the eyes of Boaz there in verse eight. But can I remind you of what she said in verse two? Ruth got up out of bed that day and told Naomi, I'm gonna go find some favor. And here we are in verse eight. She's like, I'm walking in favor. Church, we need to learn that what we declare by faith was gonna come true in our life and then we'll move out in faith. So you need to start speaking faith and life over your life, over your day, all day, every day. When you're driving to work, you should just be praying in the Holy Ghost, listening to worship music, and, and just being like, I'm gonna have a great day. God's gonna bless me today. God's gonna promote me today. Everything's gonna go great today. And then by two o'clock, you're like, I've had a great day. I've been blessed. I've been promoted. I wonder why that happened, because I spoke it at eight o'clock this morning. God's gonna favor you. God wants to favor you. Verse 11. Oh, I know, Boaz said, but I also know about everything that you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I've heard how you left your father and your mother and your land to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, who's, listen carefully, this is gonna be important, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. He's gonna reward you fully for what you have done. Now this is a little bit of foreshadowing to chapter four, so remember that next week when we talk about chapter four, when he talks about the wings being spread out. But this is all throughout the scripture that God wants to spread out his wings over his children. Psalm 91 said, he will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are uncommon churches, and they will be your armor and your protection. Something funny is that the book of Psalms hadn't been written yet when Boaz said this. It's part of the very character and nature of God that he wants to spread out his wings and cover us and protect us. And when Elimelech took his family from Bethlehem to Moab, he took his family out from underneath the blessing and protection of God. And it cost him everything. And it cost his sons everything. And it cost Naomi her peace and her joy and the wrinkles she now has on her face. If we would be willing to stay underneath the wings of God, he will be faithful to the promises that he's given us. By the way, single people, you're under the wings of the Lord. Like, I just feel so alone. You're under the wings of the Lord. He protects you. He covers you. Ruth's response in verse 13. I hope I continue to please you, sir. You have comforted me by speaking so kindly to me, even though I am not one of your workers. And here's the interesting thing. Ruth said, I'm a worker. I'm here to serve. I want to please you. This would be a good attitude for the church. 
We should be contributors of the gospel, not just consumers of it. We wanna have it like Burger King and have it be my way. And how much can I get out of this church? As much as you put in. This would be a good attitude for the church. We're here to please God, not man. The Bible, uh, the Bible, I almost said the Bible. This is not the Bible, this is an uncommon thing. Saved people serve people. Why are you not serving on a dream team? Verse 14, at mealtime, Boaz said, hey, Ruth, come on over here, girl. Help yourself to some of my food. And girl, won't you dip that bread in my sour wine? Mm, mm -mm, talking dirty? Get the balsamic vinegar, the olive oil. Just dip that bread in there, girl. She sat with the harvesters with Boaz. In the morning, she woke up a homeless, penniless pagan girl, and now she's sitting at the table, the landowner. She went from zero to hero in just a few hours. This is their little first date over roasted barley. Anybody who's been to Moldova, we've had roasted barley. It's terrible. But I'm sure that God's anointed Boaz. When he gives you roasted barley, I'm sure it's amazing. But she went from being hungry to having a full belly and a to-go box to bring back to Naomi all in one day. See, God will turn your circumstances around if you will humble yourself, if you will cling to what is good, if you will serve him, and if you will come under his wings. God wants to bless you. She should not have been invited to dinner. She should not have been anywhere near Boaz. But because of the way she served Naomi and because of the way she served Boaz, she was allowed to come into his presence. And then here's the funny thing. Boaz has taken the, 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 the wine vinegar and he leans out and he's serving her. See, we think we're here to serve God. The funny thing is he's serving us. He's the one who died on the cross for us. He's the one who washes us and cleanses us. He's the one who adopts us into his family. He's the one that makes us holy. He's the one that gives us his Holy Spirit. We think we're serving God because we came early to help on the welcome team or the ushers team or the tech team or the kids team. No, no. Our little bit of service is nothing compared to what he has done for us. He's amazing. All right, let's finish this thing. Verse 15, when Ruth went back to work again, Boaz ordered the young men, hey, y'all, let her gather grain right among the sheaths. Don't stop her. In fact, why don't y'all pull out some heads of barley from the bundles and then drop them on purpose for her and then let her pick them up. And y'all don't give her a hard time. Put her right in the middle of God's blessing and then give her well beyond what she's worthy of receiving. God wants to do that for you. See, we have no right to, to call ourselves blessed and worthy. We're unworthy but he makes us worthy and then he gives us an abundance and we have to realize that we have to get out of the corner of the field and into the center of the action. The church needs to stop cowering. I'm sick and tired of the church pretending like, I'm so sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry that we believe the Bible is true. I'm sorry we believe in heaven and hell. I'm sorry we believe that, that sin is real and separates us from God. I'm sorry we believe in absolute truth. No, the church should be proud of our faith. I mean, humble, but proud of our faith, proud of our God. He is the God that redeems. Christians shouldn't be ashamed. Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the power of God at work to save everyone who believes. Stop being so cowardly. I mean, don't be a jerk about it, but don't be a coward either. Verse 17, so Ruth gathered barley there all day, and when she beat out the grain that evening, it filled an entire basket. 
See, those that glean would be lucky to get like a couple of handfuls, a couple of pocketfuls, you know, of grain. And she's like this boss carrying home this bushel of grain and just like, Kachunka, look what God has done in my life. See, God can bless you for an abundance for no reason. God loves to bless people like that. Let me just ask you a question. What if you see Ruth get blessed like that? Would you be like, yeah, the new girl got blessed? Or would you be like, I wanted to get blessed like that. I wanted to get a car like that. I wanted to get a house like that. I wanted to get a spouse like that. Can't you just be happy for other people getting blessed by God? If you can, God will bless you. If you can't, verse 18. She carried it back to the town and she showed it to her mother-in-law. Ruth also gave her all the roasted grain that was left over from her meal. Imagine Naomi's shock. She'd been home all day. We know she was bitter, lonely, bored. She's just scrolling all day, reposting political memes and just stirring up the pot. Naomi came home and she's like, Kachunka, months of grain and a to-go box. Boom, look what your God did. See, here's the other thing. Naomi has been, I mean, Ruth has been a Christian for like one day. If you're a new believer in Jesus, there's no like waiting period for God to bless you. I'm gonna say that again for the people over here because y'all didn't amen loud enough. If you're a new believer in Jesus, there's no waiting period for God to bless you. God wants to bless you right away on day one of your walk with God. Verse 19, she's like, oh my gosh, where did you go to get all this grain? Where did you work? And may the Lord bless whoever helped you. So Ruth told her mother-in-law about the man in whose field she worked. She said, I worked for a man today named Boaz. <laughs> Here's the funny thing about Ruth. Ruth has not read Ruth chapter two and verse one. Ruth does not know, uh, Ruth chapter three in verse one. Ruth does not know that Boaz is the one of two people on earth that can redeem her. But Naomi does. Verse 20. Oh, may the Lord bless him. Naomi told her daughter-in-law, he is showing you kindness as well as kindness to your dead husband. That man is one of our closest relatives, one of our family redeemers. Ruth said, well, what's more? Boaz said, I'm allowed to go back and work with the harvesters until the entire harvest is completed. So she went from being a gleaner to a harvester. She went from having no job, just living on charity, to having a full-time job with benefits. He promoted her to a full-time job. That's favor. And this thing about family redeemer, let me explain that to you. Um, in the ancient Jewish world, people would die for like no reason whatsoever. Like you could be like 28, married, have a kid, and just wake up and be like, oh, I have a hangnail. You know what I'm saying? Because it was like no antibiotics. You know, like people just died all the time. Like it didn't take much to die in the ancient world. So like you just wake up and just die for no reason. So God set it up that if somebody died for no reason, an extended family member would have to marry that widow. Like if it was a brother and he was unmarried and unfortunately in some cases when he was already married. But the point is that the name would continue. And then there was any land that the land would continue. God wanted the land to stay in the family. Now, Naomi was like hoping, dreaming, one day, one of these two people would redeem me, Boaz or this other guy. Like there's just this, I, maybe it would happen, but on the very first day, that's how interested Jesus is into you. I'm sorry, Boaz was into Ruth. That's how interested Jesus is into you. He wants to redeem you and bless you all at once. You don't have to wait to receive God's favor. 
See, churches for far too long have treated new Christians like some sort of lower-class Christian. Like, well, okay, little one, I know that you were, you know, getting high and getting drunk and looking at porn and flipping people off on 183 just a week ago, but you're going to have to wait right there while we judge you and shame you quietly for a while until you'll be allowed to serve. That's not the way God does things. The couple things the Redeemer had to be willing. The Redeemer had to be available. Boaz and one other man was available. The Redeemer had to be wealthy because the, you had to be, have enough money to basically buy the estate. And you had to be interested and willing to do it. And there was another family member, maybe we don't even know, the Bible doesn't say a third cousin, a second uncle, whatever, that was a little bit closer. And um, Boaz went to this guy and he's like, hey, you interested in redeeming um, Ruth and Naomi and that whole thing? And the guy's like, sure. He's like, don't forget, Ruth is a Moabite girl and she's damaged, like she's, she's a widow and all that. And the other guy was like, oh, oh, no, 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 no. I don't want Moabite blood in my, my bloodline. I don't want my land going to Moabite women. So um, you can pay that price. See, that's what Jesus wants to do for you. He's like, oh, I, I see your pain and I see your darkness and I see that sin. And other people might be like, mm, no. But Jesus is like, yeah, that's an investment I'd like to, to, to pour into. That's grace. So then the funny thing is, and we'll get into it a little bit next week, Naomi starts to concoct this like super sketchy plan for Ruth to actually look good and smell good and then go uncover Boaz's feet. You might not want to bring your kids next week. <laughs> dirty, dirty feet. Verse 22. Good, Naomi exclaimed. Do what he said. Stay with, this, with his young women all the way through the harvest. You might be harassed in other fields. You will be safe with Boaz. He's gonna give you his blessing and his favor. Under the protection of Jesus, Boaz, sorry, you're blessed. Under the protection of Jesus, you're blessed. If you would live under God's protection and grace and things do go wrong in your life, use that as a point of prayer and be like, um, no. I don't accept this reality and it's not gonna have an influence in my life. I'm gonna substitute it with the fact that I have been bought with the blood of Jesus and he covers me and he protects me and he promotes me and he blesses me. And I'm gonna leave my family in Bethlehem and I'm not taking my family to Moab anymore. We're staying right here under the blessing of God. Verse 23, so we can finish the story. Ruth worked alongside the women in Boaz's fields and gathered grain until the end of the barley harvest. Then she continued working through the wheat harvest at the end of summer. All the while she was living with her mother-in-law. See, the barley harvest was in the spring. The wheat harvest was in the summer. So Ruth, who was basically homeless, penniless, broken, who was there on day one to glean, ended up with a full-time job that lasted her the rest of the year. If you would be willing to leave Moab and return to Judah, return to the house of bread. The Redeemer is going to notice you. Jesus notices you. I've got some people here that are visiting church for the very first time, for some of you in your life. And you're like, I don't even know that God knows or cares that I'm here. I'm telling you, God had me talk about Ruth chapter two just because you're here. And he's like, I see you. You look good. And you're like, dude, I don't look good in the eyes of God. He's like, no, I, I, I see the potential in you. I see what you would look like with me in you. We're going to do great things together. Listen, preacher, you don't understand. I, I struggle with anger and I struggle with lust and I struggle with 
addiction and I struggle with. And he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We're gonna leave that outside of my covering. I'm gonna cover you and I'm gonna call you blessed and I'm gonna give you favor and I'm gonna create a whole new person in you. You're in the right place at the right time. So why don't you hop up on your feet? This is an amazing story of God's grace. I remind you that it's nonfiction. It's true. This actually happened. It's a story of God's grace. Ruth, let's be honest, she didn't deserve all this favor. But God wanted to favor her. And it, here's the bigger picture. Can we zoom out a little bit? Can we zoom out of 2021? It wasn't just for Naomi. It wasn't just for Ruth. Yeah, you're going to find out next week. Ruth and Boaz get married and they have a son which creates a family line, a lineage from a good, honest Jewish guy and a pagan Moabite girl that said, my God will, your God will become my God. The Jewish God is now my God and she was adopted into the family of the Jews. Boaz and Ruth, their great-grandson was King David. Jesus came from the lineage of King David. God's blessing is not just for today, it's for generations to come. Sometimes it's this tall, gangly looking kid that looks like my wife that gets up here to pray. Blonde, looks like he needs a bacon double cheeseburger. Looks like I ate two of his bacon double cheeseburgers. That's my son. Mom, I hope you're watching. Because my son would not be doing the things that he's doing for God. My daughter, my oldest one, who serves in a missions organization reaching the unreached. My baby girl who's out in Bible college. They wouldn't be serving God if it weren't for what my mom did back in 1977 when she surrendered her life to Jesus. See, God is not just into the one day that my mom got saved. God is into the day that my son, I forget what he did, gives, takes, gives the communion. Or my daughter who's reaching unreached people. Or my other daughter who, oh, I don't know what, that child's gonna raise the dead and walk on water. It all starts with a choice. You've got to get right with God for your sake and for the sake of your family and for the sake of your grandkids. We need you to get right with God because we need to see what your kids and grandkids are going to do. But it all starts with a moment. It all starts with a choice. I remind you that Naomi and Ruth and Orpah were walking away from Moab. And Naomi said, whoa, 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 whoa. This is silly. You girls should go back to your pagan land. And Orpah was like, see ya. Never going to come back to Uncommon Church again. And Ruth was like, no, I'm sticking with you. Your God is going to be my God. Be like Ruth. Cling to Jesus. Come under the covering of Jesus. Today is your day of salvation. Stop running to Moab when the doors to Bethlehem are wide open and Jesus is saying, come on, come on. I'm going to wash you. I'm going to cleanse you. I'm going to, you'll be born again. You're going to be a new person. It might be the very first time in your life. It could be the first time in a long time. Maybe you've been out of church for a minute. Your heart has grown cold. You've allowed distance between you and God. You think God's mad at you. God's not mad at you. His arms are wide open. He's saying, you look good to me today. Come on home. So if that's you, whether you're watching online 
or you're here in the room and you're not right with God, today is your day to come running in to the arms of your Redeemer. He's crazy about you and He loves you. You've got to make that choice in that moment. This is that moment. This is that choice you have to make. You're going to abandon Moab and pursue Jesus. There's death in Moab. There's life under the shadow of God's wings. But the choice is yours. So if that's you this morning, I would be honored to lead you in that prayer. It has to be your prayer. I want you to pray it out loud if you believe it. It might be the very first time in your life. It might be the first time in a long time. We're gonna lead you in that prayer. Same thing with you at home. In a moment, I'm gonna ask these people to raise their hand, but the same, I can't see you. This might even be a month from now on YouTube and you're watching the replay. But between you and God, I want you to shoot your hand up. If you're in this room this morning or you're at home and you need to get right with God today, you need to pray that prayer. First time or first time in a long time, would you shoot your hand up real high and just say, preacher, pray for me. Just say, preach. I see one hand over there. Is there anybody else? I see your hand over there. I see your hand over there. Anybody else? Shoot your hand up real high. And I see your hand over there. Yeah, good, 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 good. Wow. All right. What about you? I, I saw four people shooting up hands all over this room. What about you? I can't see you, but between you and God, right there in your living room, right there in your bedroom, just shoot your hand up. Just say, I need to get right with God today. And if you believe it, why don't we all pray this prayer together out loud? Say, dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. I repent. I surrender to you. I'm going to stop running from you. Be the savior of my soul. Wash me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Make me holy like you are holy. I receive the gift of eternal life. Jesus, be the lover of my soul and the king of my life. I surrender to you. I'm gonna serve you all the days of my life. Thank you, Lord, for loving me. I love you, Jesus. And in Jesus' name we pray. What do you say, church, amen? Amen, 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 amen. What about you, amen? <laughs> all right. Oh, I love it, I love it, I love it. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Church Podcast. If this message has impacted your life, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. And for more information on our church community, you can click the link in the description or visit uncommonchurch.tv.